Hey everyone, I wanted to come on before the episode starts and just thank you for all of your warm, sweet love. I want to encourage you all to leave a rating for this podcast if you haven't yet, if you've enjoyed this season of keeping it real with ourselves, to leave a review. That would really be helpful. And to share this episode with one person that you love. This is one of our last episodes before we take a break and I come back in the new year refreshed and healthy and happy and full of joy and ready for more pleasure conversations. Um, I really love this interview with Miss Karen M. Rose, the Empress. Just fantastic. So grateful for Stephanie and our All Heart community putting uh, Miss Karen M. Rose on our radar. Really enjoyed it a lot. So I want to let you know if you want to stay in touch, we'll definitely be having an All Heart community over the next couple months where we can speak one-on-one. And if you're interested, please continue to reach out. Um, Kayla from our community has been building with some of y'all and just getting the best feedback. I do not take it for granted how incredible you all are with me, for yourselves, for all of us, just building together your feedback, everything. This is such good, 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 good medicine, not only in you receiving, but also me and offering it. I'm also restored and healed and loved. So Thank you. I hope you enjoy the episode and I can't wait to check in with you next week and wrap up the season. Peace. All right. Welcome everyone to the All Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Noni Lamar, and today we have the pleasure of, we're starting to round the season out, and we're going to be talking about heart medicine, herbal medicine. I have to give a shout out right now to our All Heart listeners, Stephanie, my home girl. Thank you for putting me up on the incredible Karen M. Rose. She's here. Welcome, Karen. We're so happy to have you as our guest today. I would like you to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your work. So I'm Karen Rose, and I'm um, a master herbalist or an herbalist who's clinical as well as teaches formulary. So I have a clinical practice. I own Sacred Vibes Apothecary here in Brooklyn, where we make Uh, medicines for the whole family. Um, So I love formula. That's a big part of what we do. And then the probably the part that I'm most connected to um, is our apprenticeship program. Um, So I also teach people how to become herbalists. Uh, I think that rounds up a lot of my work. We also have Sacred Botanica, which is the spiritual, um, is is the home of our spiritual base here in Brooklyn. Sacred Botanica? Mm -hmm. And what do you all do at Sacred Botanica? 
So, you know, over my years, I've been like giving people readings, I've been making products for them and their spiritual use. Um, you know, and Sacred Vibes Apothecary has been open for 11 years. We're going into our 12th year, actually. Oh, wow. So we've been, in those 12 years, almost 12 years, we've been doing so much work in that space. And it's a little space. And we've been preparing all kinds of baths and teas and medicines and candles. And I knew that I wanted to find a bigger space to house all this uh, spiritual work that we were doing also for our clients, mm -hmm. along with the medicinal work that we were doing for our clients. And so um, in March of this year, we opened up Sacred Vibes Botanica. And that's like the, the side of our work that's really concentrated on spiritual healing. That's dope. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that. That's really dope. So I want to ask you, we have some grounding questions. First, I know you're astrology head, so I have to ask, what's your sun, moon, and rising? I'll, I'll go first. I'm, I'm a Taurus sun, uh, Pisces moon, and a Libra rising. What a beautiful combination. I, I generally, my students always come in and they're like, hmm, we wonder what she is. No one ever has the nerve to really ask. <laughs> you know, and a lot of times I'm like, guess, you know, I tell them, guess, what do you, what do you think I am? A lot of people guess right on, but I'm a Gemini sun, I'm a Sagittarius rising, and I'm a Leo moon, which is lots of fire here present, but I'm also a sidereal astrologer. So if you were to look at that on the tropical zodiac, you'd find that I am a Cancer sun, a Virgo moon, and uh, what was is my rising on the sidereal? Um, a Capricorn rising. Wonderful. So I have both of those pieces. I have all of those pieces that make me. I love to talk. I think I talked a little bit with Juju Bay about that. Like we're all of those things, no matter where what uh what astrology we're looking at it does accompany encompass us like there's a lot of aries i got a lot of aries vibes mm -hmm. that i never acknowledge but if you look at another kind of astrology i live over there right so my like drive passion all of those things live there too we like to ask all our guests too about um how you like to be loved how do you like to be loved that is so interesting that you're asking me that today, Noni. Why? Why is that? <laughs> because last night I was talking to a really good friend of mine and I was like, you know, I took this love candle home from the Botanica the other day and people who know me, they're like, they know that relationships necessarily, like romantic relationships are not a huge part of my world. Like I don't, I love my work so much that I just like that, that I'm always talking about that. Right. So mm. people is Karen, in a, what does Karen do? Like outside, <laughs> of, outside of her work. And I'm like, I do my children outside of my work. That's, that's kind of what I do. But last night I told him about lighting this love candle. And he says, well, before you light the love candle, you have to like put the kind of love that you want. And mm -hmm. it, you know, so I have to sit there for a while. So to answer your question about what, Love. What was the question again about the... How do you like to be loved? How do I like to be loved? And I think the first thing that comes up is ferociously. Um, mm. I think, you know, I like, <laughs> I like an all-in kind of person. I love mm. to be loved with fullness. Um, I'm not... Because the way in which I love is, is, you know, giving fullness. And I want to be met there. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm noticing that as I get older, that's definitely true. I want to be met with fullness. I want to be, um, 
so you know many people are like what's your love language and i think i want to have all of them and <laughs> you better bring that leo through Exactly. He said, I'll take everything on the menu, please. Exactly. I mean, why choose one? I'll be like, no, I like service and never mind the other. No, I want, I want a great combination of all of them. So I do like to be loved fully and passionately and, and commit, like a committed kind of love. And how do you love? I think for a long time, I loved in the way of not showing myself, not giving of myself fully because um, trust number one, right? Not trusting to give myself fully and also noticing that I was giving parts of me and not the fullness because I never wanted to receive someone's fullness before because mm. I'm too busy and I couldn't imagine what that responsibility would look like to take on someone fully. Mm. So I myself was like, okay, I'll show you these parts and please just give me part of you that I can handle. <laughs> It is such a, it's, you know, I think about it and I think that's like probably the Sagittarius part, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to take on your whole life. Just give me the good <laughs> things. Just give me the parts that I feel like I could neatly fit into my schedule today. And then the rest of it, you figure out how to do it. And so for a long time, I was loving that way. Um, I realized that I've been loving in ways that are like, didn't feel overwhelming, felt like I could manage my life. A, bit, compart a bit compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. And you said you have children? Mm -hmm. I have three children. How do you love them? Oh my gosh. And I think that's it. <laughs> First of all, I want to say that I have the perfect children for who I am. Mm. So my children have come to know me really well and also know who their mother is in, mm. in a way that's uh, revealing and requires a lot of vulnerability. Mm. So if you were to ask my kids, they would probably know how to define what love I'm needing in this moment because they've been watching me so closely. Mm. Um, so we have a really close bond and a close relationship. I feel like my children have always been my partners, um, not romantic partners, but definitely my life partners in determining like what, what is going to happen with what we call home, what's mm. going to be happening in, in my businesses. Even when they were young, I was going to them. If I needed to make a new move in my business, I knew that it would impact their life because I'm a single mom. Mm -hmm. So I knew that it would impact their life. So I would go and say, listen, this is the plan that, you know, this is the next step from my work. How do you feel? Mm -hmm. Are you all on board with this? Because if they weren't, then I would have to reconsider it because, you know, these are the folks that I have to come home to late at night, or they would have to take mm -hmm. on different responsibilities uh, between them to make sure that this works for all of us as a family. So I wanted their buy-in really early and they've, we've maintained this relationship of me being able to go to them um, regardless of what's coming up. And it's also reciprocal. They have maintained this relationship of like, no, we need to talk to mom about this even before we could step forward. So we have this really strong bond. In our... How old are they? So my eldest, Lauren, she's 23 and mm -hmm. she is just come, came, come on to work with me full time. So she quit. Amazing. <laughs> decided that she's going to work full-time helping managing the stores and our production center. And um, Zion, he's 20, and he works at the store two days a week and goes to school. And then I have Shiloh, who's 13 and goes to school full-time. And we hope to bring him on, too. <laughs> <laughs> You're building an empire, Karen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, and before we get into more questions about your past and like how you got started, I want to ask what's in your cup because you're an herbalist. What's in, oh, there's one question I forgot. It's about this whole season. It's about, this season's about being real with ourselves. So what is one thing you feel like we need to all be real with ourselves about right now? I think... Well, I know this year has been tremendous. It's been quite the revelation. Um, and you know, last, it was fun for us to be like in 2019, oh, 2020's coming, we're gonna have clear vision, you know? It's <laughs> 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 when we were saying it, but I don't think that we, I, it was fun the whole while we were saying, and then 2020 hit and we were like, damn, we were asking for clarity, but we weren't asking for clarity like this. Be careful um, what you ask for, right? Correct. And so I feel like people are like, we don't know. And I feel like we're in the, in the right place for 2021 because we're like, we don't know. <laughs> I'm not even stepping into that because <laughs> this year was nothing we could have predicted like this. Like we didn't even know it would be like this. So I feel like what we need to be real with ourselves is where we are. Li you know, literally where we are as a people, where we are as Black people and where we are in America, like living in this place. I, I think it's important for us to like know um, where, who we are because of um, all the things that are happening. So I think we need to be real with our ancestors. I think we need to be real with the self. I think we need to be real when we're standing on the soil. There's so much realness in this moment that um, I don't think that we could have gotten here without let's say a pandemic or the movement for black lives and the uprisings. Like we're in a space and the election, like we're, mm. we're in a space where there's been so much realness. I'm like, folks, if you need more realness than this, I don't know. <laughs> What's in your cup right now? I think I'm gonna concentrate on rose. I think rose is in my cup right now. Um, if I'm literally talking about tea, right? Mm. Um, but when we speak of cup, I'm also thinking about like, what is it that, I, that I'm full of that could be poured out? Mm, you, better uh, come, you better come, master teacher, come on. <laughs> so I feel like what's in my cup right now is nourishment, nourishment. I feel like there's a lot of folks around me who need nourishing as we enter into the holiday season and then moving on but first I want to hold back some of that nourishment for myself because I've also have a lot had a long year and I'm looking forward to taking a break um you know at the end of the year into the new year so lots of nourishment that rose has been coming up so much I think everybody's needing that like love vibration I've been taking big bottle of it's like a diluted rose oil and pouring it. I have four children pouring it all over everybody after bath time. Like get into this, stop fighting. Like get into this love vibration. I've been drinking um, nettle and corn silk. I've been having a lot of, you know, the, the kidneys store fear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of the pandemic, I wasn't afraid of much, but as this, year has just marched on i'm storing all the conspiracy theories yes. all of the politics all, all of the everything uh, folks know i'm super political like i work within the movement space i haven't even really talked about it on this podcast much i haven't talked this season about politics much 
because I feel like it's everywhere. Yes. You know, and I've been wanting to really create sacred space here, but I'm feeling it so heavy in my kidneys, the fear and like really working through that and having nettle and corn silk be my homies right now. And just, just drinking some, some hot infusion, cold infusions of those daily has been really, really helpful. But I wanted to share with you too, like that's the nettle, anytime I'm in any weak place, for some reason, nettle is my, my restorer. It brings, when I'm pregnant and I'm, my iron is low, it's just from the way my body works, even how it tastes to me. For me, it tastes like I'm getting hugs and loved up and it's just such a nourishing ally for me so I gotta give it up to those two homies in my cup too (laughs) absolutely all for the nettles so I want to ask you about your background where did you grow up how did you arrive on the path you're on now I'm assuming like maybe you're Caribbean I don't know I'm assuming yes (laughs) I want to know where you grew up I want to know how you came into the work that you do Mm-hmm. So I was born in Guyana, and, and Guyana is a country in South America, but because we're the only English-speaking country, we're considered part of the Caribbean and part of the West Indies, and also because of our colonizers, they were British. Um, so I grew up there, and um, I didn't immigrate to this country until I was 14. So most of my life, most of my young life was already spent in the Caribbean. And so I'm so grateful for that because it influences a lot of the work that I do here mm. uh, in my spiritual practice. So I grew up um, with my grandmother. I was born on like a really isolated coast in the Caribbean. <laughs> um, grew up with my grandmother who was a vital part of the community. She was a seamstress, but she was also someone who understood plants in the way that to use them to heal. Mm-hmm. But there was no words to describe like, you know, it was just go to auntie's house for such and such. It wasn't, mm-hmm. she was a, no one called her an herbalist or that type of stuff. <laughs> um, but it, it, you know, that's where my learning really began is to just observe observe what was happening, observe and observe, right? What was happening around me and watching how plants played such a huge role in physical healing because we did not have access to doctors like we have here. Mm. So plants played a super big role in healing physically. Um, But I also got to witness plants used for like spiritual healing, for bats or to remove to remove entities or to protect you or protect your home. Um, And, you know, those things were really important for me to learn as a child Mm. and see and to witness. And I think that's so informative of my work now. What are the first herbs that you remember or plants that you remember having a kinship to? Mm. So in Guyana, there's Tulsi everywhere. Mm, My fave. (laughs) Another fave. Right. Our holy basil was brought to Guyana by the indentured servants that came from Mm. India. Mm. And the village that I grew up with had a lot of indentured servants from India. So Tulsi was planted all over the village, a sacred plant, and is often used for like puja, worship, and prayer. Mm -hmm. And so seeing 
those plants around was like my earliest that's that's an early one that I was introduced to um I also was like there's soursop everywhere you know um mm. so soursop leaf and soursop usage and then um bitter melon or what we would call carilla bitters or carilla bush mm-hmm. or um was all over um also growing up in Guyana do they have sea moss in Guyana too do y'all work with that too that's one of my like big nourishing plants too because we're not an island and we're a country that mm-hmm. we don't really harvest sea moss stuff off of our coast but because of our relationship with the other parts of the caribbean sea moss is a drink that we often drink in Guyana also mm-hmm. so how did you get into herbal medicine so you saw your grandmother who was a part of the community who are some of your early teachers like when does it when did it become a calling for you um, I think I was called to the work before I was even born. So mm-hmm. my grandfather on my father's side was also a healer. Um, and he used a lot of plant medicines and he was a spiritual healer. He would be what we would call a, someone who understood roots and root worker um, at this time. So I think it's generational, it's ancestral. The, the, the space that I've inherited was a space that was chosen for me ancestrally mm-hmm. to come into. So mm-hmm. knowing that I think, you know, that's kept me tied to my purpose and protected. But physically in this plane, I um, want, you know, when we first came from Guyana, like herbal medicine was removed from our life, stripped away because there was no mm-hmm. access to the plants that we used or access even to community. Um, and so stigmatized also um, about using plants, right? What does this work mean? You want to use plants to heal. Mm-hmm. And as, as with so many immigrants, you know, your parents work to, um, make sure that you like um, integrate here seamlessly, right? So they send us to doctors and that type of stuff. So when I was 26, I had Lauren and um, Lauren had an ear infection. I tell folks the story and then, you know, it is through taking her to the doctor and her doctor being like, well, this antibiotic doesn't work. And me being like, well, she's 18 months old. Like, what else are you going to give her? And, and them being like, well, it needs to be a stronger antibiotic. And me being like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't do it. There has to be another way. And I think that knowing came from what I observed when I was a child. So I was like, mm. so I called my grandmother. My grandmother would recommend things to me. And some of it I could find, but some of it I really couldn't find because I was living in Arizona at the time. I was in the <laughs> And Guyana is on the equator. It, you know, it's two totally different. <laughs> so I decided I needed to go to school and study the plants that existed around me so that I could take care of my kids. That's pretty much, you know, what and where my thoughts were. I was like, what, what do I need to learn in order that when this happens that my hands are not tied? So where did you go to school? How long did you study? Well, I studied at, first I started with an apprenticeship, just pretty much the same way I teach in Arizona with a Native American healer and learned so much about plants. My, I wanted to learn more about spirits. So I kept choosing different places I could um, look at that learning from. So I would, I studied Purandarismo in Mexico. Mm-hmm. I went to the Caribbean and I walked with medicine people um, in the Caribbean in Jamaica. And of course, back to Guyana and studying with like uh, indigenous people of that land or studying with people who knew Ayurveda and brought Ayurveda to Guyana. So it was beautiful, you know, I I felt that I wanted my experience not only imbued with knowledge, but also imbued with spirit. 
So oftentimes in Western herbalism, what we find is that we learn this plant is for that. Take this plant if you had that. And I felt it was always a way that, that was so parallel to allopath, like allopathic medicine. Mm-hmm. To be like, if you have headache, take Tylenol. If you have, you know, if you have mm-hmm. an upset stomach, drink chamomile. And I, I just couldn't see myself using plants in that way. I wanted to know why we had the upset stomach, right? I wanted to know spiritually and emotionally, like what was happening and what the, what's the real reason that chamomile is healing in this way? Like, what is, what also is chamomile helping us untie or, or on not um, emotionally that it works so well? I'm feeling a little bit emotional <laughs> when you're talking. You're the kind of um, teacher I've been looking for. Oh. Yeah, really. I, I didn't realize. Um, I want to ask you, like, who were your teachers? You, you talked about them, but who are the ones that really impacted you? Sure. Can you tell us? I think it's so important to name lineage. And mm-hmm. what are some of their names and how are they teaching you? Okay. So I think the first teacher that really impacted me was my grandmother, Eunice Bascom. Mm-hmm. Um, another this teacher that impacts me and continue. So these are my grandfather, Joshua Rose, is an ancestor that really informs my spiritual work. So he continues to impact me um, from the ancestral realm. Um, so I want to be sure to name those. Mm-hmm. My herbal teacher's name was Kita Cantonella, and she was um, a Cherokee, a part Cherokee person, person who was able to bring this Western herbalism first to my site and teach me in that way. Um, I have teachers, my teacher in Guyana, his name is just Gopi. He's a pandit. <laughs> and I go home to him and I learn with him. He's also a continual teacher. I have a teacher from Mali and his name is Khalif. So those are some of the most instrumental teachers that I have that teaches me, teach me medicine. What are some of the first miracles you witnessed with herbal medicine, whether that be on the physical level or on the spiritual level? Mm. Well, number one, the first miracle I witnessed is that my children, my child, Lauren, after that, never used another medicine until until ever. (laughs) (laughs) If she's had to take a medicine anytime, I think maybe after she gave, because she just had a baby, maybe after she gave birth, they gave her medicine, but Lauren hadn't used, Lauren was able to graduate out of college without using any allopathic medicine. Um, So I think it's a miracle now to raise our children within this, within the culture in which we live without them having to take antibiotics or them having to take, um, you know, what are some of the other common childhood medicine? Like, yeah, it's mostly antibiotics because everything they give our children antibiotics for. Or, right? t- or Tylenol or, Tylenol. you know, my, I have four children. I think there's been one dose of Tylenol in so, those nine years, you know, yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's the work, you know, it's knowing that, you know, so with, with me, there's no judgment to parents who have to, because I think also it's like, when you know, you know, and when yeah. you come into it, you do differently. But if we don't know, then these are the choices that we make, right? So the knowledge is so, so important. Like for some, you know, when I first learned herbalism, that was my priority. I worked with uh, women and children because I was like, 
this, we need a healer in everybody's home. We need someone who's going to continue to like talk about all the methods, all the ways we can heal our own families before we have to turn to allopathic medicine. I know we do because there's some things that only allopathic medicine can help with, mm-hmm. but we should not become so reliant on it that it's like everything that we're taking our kids to the doctor, right? Because then, you know, it becomes like every, every medicine, everything gets a medicine or everything gets antibiotic treatment for it. And it really doesn't need it. Mm. So the first miracles you witnessed were with your own children. What else, what about within your own body, in your own life? Mm-hmm. Um, I think because I was so, you know, oftentimes I, I, I've been very healthy and I'm so happy to say that I've been um, doing the work it takes to maintain health for a number of years. So mm-hmm. I think that I've hadn't had to like take prescriptions or anything like that or really have huge things that occur. I did have a C-section with Lauren. And mm-hmm. I remember going back to my, um, for my C-section appointment and then being like, what's happening? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Like, how are you healed already? And I was like, oh. You know, <laughs> we got our ways, you know, so I think like when something does come up for me, the ability to be like, oh, I know what to do when this is happening. I know what, what I need to do after birth. I know what I need to do that I have this cut, how to heal it. I know how, what, what's necessary to like restore my uterus between births. Like those things are so valuable and those things are so important. So I don't know if it stands out in my mind, like, oh, here's a big miracle, mm-hmm. but I think it's miraculous along the way to be able to have great self-care. That's dope. What about your other modalities? I know you work in astrology. Are there other modalities you work with and how yeah. do they work with your herbal medicine? Well, I'm also a curandera. I'm an astrologer. I studied Ayurveda and I studied Chinese medicine. And so all of them combine into my program. So I teach my apprenticeship program. We do introduction to Chinese medicine, introduction to Ayurveda, introduction to curanderismo. So I feel like all of them really combine quite neatly. And when I'm home, I'm practicing Obian, I'm practicing um, Mayal. And so um, all of these spiritual disciplines are um, a combination of who, who I am today. That's so Okay. So why did you start the apothecary? Access. So when I came back from Arizona <laughs> to New York, I was shocked that I had to go to the city, Manhattan, to buy herbs. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, y'all are kidding me because there's an herb shop in Phoenix. So how come they're in an herb shop... <laughs> In the big <laughs> and I mean, they were, they were like herb, they were more like vitamin shops and then the herbs would be in little plastics, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't call that as an herb shop. So I was like, mm, I want to taste, you know, I want to sm- open the jar, smell my herbs, know the quality of them before I purchase them, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. You know, I don't want to like see my herb in plastic hanging. Um, and that's, that's how they were like sold at the, what, at the herb vitamin shops here in Brooklyn. So I, I was seeing clients. I started to see clients. And every time I would have to refer my clients to Manhattan when they lived in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. This made no sense to me. So there was a space that opened in my neighborhood. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to open an herbal apothecary right here, the neighborhood that I grew up in. Like, amazing. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, yeah. And service the people that I grew up around. I was like, yeah, this is amazing to be able to create that. So yeah, excuse me. That's how I decided to open my apothecary. And how has it impacted the community? How has it changed the community? So when I opened, was in the middle of the recession. I don't know. Um, and this was the recession of 2008. Mm-hmm. When everybody was like losing their jobs, you know, people were losing their homes. And I, so <laughs> I didn't tell a soul that I was opening, like in my family, that I was quitting my job to open an apothecary because I knew that they were going to be like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, you have kids, you know, all, my sisters and my mother would have probably not hear of it. But um, I told my kids, there were two of them at that time. My, no, I was three of them. I had my little one. And I told the two elder ones that this is what we're going to do and that our lifestyle may have to change in order to support this. But it was the right time for it. My Mm. community was amazing. They were amazing. Like they needed the medicine. They needed me in the community. And they showed that. They supported me so ferociously and continue to. Like, Mm. you know, we've been in that space now, like I said, going on 12 years. And Mm. I've seen marriages, births, deaths, mother-in-laws visiting, cousins coming in, everybody that comes to visit them, they're like, we got the space to take you. And it's mm-hmm. the apothecary, right? If there's a new, we've, we've been there for people's first babies, second babies, third baby, you know, like over the time, like supporting and providing medicine. Um, we've been there with people passing, releasing their loved ones and finding support um, in the community. So it's just, it's been... It's been everything I've dreamed of and so much more to have a community apothecary to create a base in our community. That's incredible. Congratulations. I'm like, I wish I was there. It's amazing. (laughs) Okay, so I want to get into a super practical part of this conversation. This is, you know, I was on Instagram yesterday and this woman that I follow, she I could tell she didn't want to post a lot of these messages, but she was talking about the emotional impact of the lockdowns and what they're doing specifically to children. And I was just in my feelings reading all of this, you know, so many children cutting, so many suicide attempts, like, and it was message after message after message. And I know it's been challenging in my own home, you know. That's one of the reasons I'm like, okay, time to wrap this season up. How can I continue to just pour into these four people and Anna and husband, right? Five. <laughs> How can I continue to pour into these five and then me first, right? There's a lot that this time is holding. And so I just feel like we're in this collective dark night of the soul. And I want to check in with you about what are heart medicines we can use, whether that's, I want to make it accessible, this conversation accessible, kitchen medicine, food we can eat. But I want us to go through the etheric spiritual body, the mental body, and the physical body, and maybe just really discuss in practical ways what folks can do. You know, I know me in our home, anytime someone starts getting 
I've, I've, I've been busting out the holy basil. I put the holy basil in some um, apple cider so they don't even know what's going on. And I'm just like simmering that daily and like, hey, who wants some more apple cider? Like I'm trying to always take the edge off because we're on top of each other for almost a year. Yes. And it's challenging. It's challenging. Yes. So I wanted to first just ask you, what are those, the physical, mental, emotional, you know, spiritual medicines that we can be turning to as allies right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I may speak of those sometimes together. Um, because I do feel like a lot of our physical medicines are also spiritual. Mm, Uh, I think when the the pandemic started, the thing that I most noticed was fear, like so many people were afraid. Um, And so for me, I was working through using, and I want to keep this accessible. So, you know, I, you know, I I may mention astragalus, but people are like, what's astragalus? Where do we get that from? You know, Mm -hmm. if that becomes a, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk mostly about accessible herbs, but I can't help but mentioning astragalus. And astragalus you can get like at a Chinese herb purveyor maybe, or um, you can get it in an apothecary. You could certainly get it at Sacred Vibes Apothecary. You can order it online. Mm-hmm. But um, astragalus is beautiful, beautiful, restorative, adaptogen medicine. And it's also a kidney tonic that also helps with fear. Mm. But it's it's an immune tonic. It's restorative. It is packed with nutrients. Uh, it has, you know, it's packed with amino acids. So it's really nutrient dense for us. And it really nourishes you and mm. helps your kidneys and helps to protect you from any viruses or illnesses. So that's, and it has no contraindications, right? So that's one of my favorite medicine I've been telling people to get your hands on, um, which is so beautiful. The next one I want to talk about is thyme. I think that I've shown people how to make a thyme honey for their family. Thyme honey, and I love making medicine for my family because I think it's important to get people involved in the medicine, like your family involved in the medicine making. Because, you know, like you're saying, we're all locked in, right? And um, it's powerful to work with your child to create a remedy for your child because they're part of the making and I you know I teach my students that the medicine or the healing begins even before we take the medicine in (laughs) like Mm. just the mere fact of making the medicine the healing has already begun Mm. so um you know for me I made a huge set of thyme honey (laughs) um, (laughs) that I would give my kids every day so that they could feel more protected Mm-hmm. And time is spiritually protective, but it's also such a great immune um, builder, right? And high in vitamin C and an antiviral. Mm-hmm. So that's like something that we can access at our grocery store. We don't need to go out and like purchase time from somewhere else. We can like, mm-hmm. access this by just going to the grocery store or the green grocers or stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I tend to work with a lot of the medicines that we could find at the green grocers. Mm. So onion is another beautiful mm. medicine for like respiratory health and mm. antibacterial. And so is garlic. Mm. So another thing I do is I make big pots of garlic medicines, you know, <laughs> um, for the children and include cook with a lot of garlic, cook with a lot of onions in their food. So they're also getting that. 
but you know, one of the things that I think it's important to talk about, and I think you recognize that too, is like when I first started this practice, I would talk to my parents about the stress level in children. Mm-hmm. And they, they were like stress kids. And I was like, yes, kids are under a lot of stress. Right. And sometimes we think as adults, like we somehow own stress. <laughs> like, <laughs> Kids don't get stressed. We're stressed about them, right? Well, what could they be stressed about? And I, you know, I want to point out that stress is so, such, so impactful in kids, right? Mm. Um, and especially during COVID when there's so much uncertainty and their whole life changed overnight, mm. um, that stress was, is, is, is a big thing. So I love holy basil, as you've pointed out. <laughs> I love catnip, which mm-hmm. is beautiful. Mm-hmm. spearmint i love red clover for like stress in children especially if it makes them like break out you know mm-hmm. um, and i use chamomile i use a combination of like lemon balm chamomile and catnip as a sleep aid for my children oftentimes so during the pandemic i just made a big pot of it every night Mm. is that what's the age like lemon balm is that still is it okay for younger it's fine Mm. i raised them children on lemon balm and catnip lauren was lemon balm balm and ziggy was catnip my middle son and i remember zion saying people saying to me they would meet zion and they would say that's the calmest child i've ever met you know (laughs) and i swore it was the catnip because he drinks copious amount of heat drink copious amount of catnip he'd have that you know catnip is for cats too but yeah. it's great for kids and he would have and it's a great digestive mm-hmm. right and so even even now he like oh yeah you know i'm gonna have some tea like you know he's he knows what <laughs> he, he, you know? he knows how to take care of himself too what about astragalus that's 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 cool for children too it is so great for children and it's mm-hmm. great for anyone, regardless of the meds they're on. And because astragalus is a root, you can get powdered astragalus and add it to smoothies. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, my students and I over the years have like documented all the ways in which we use astragalus. You can add it to pancake mix. Mm-hmm. You can add it to muffins that you're creating because it's powder. And you can add it to a pot of oatmeal, uh, the mm-hmm. powder. You I'm can, about to I'm about to switch from some potion to uh to sacred vibes because I I I get uh, I'm so so I want to talk a little bit about adaptogens we're naming a few of them but that those are my jams like I just feel like when things are rough I can just go to my adaptogens and they get me all right like my children I always make um in the winter cacao and reishi drink for them and just drink it throughout the winter and it's super heart loving i wanted to know what are your favorite adaptogens and what do you like to use there too oh gosh astragalus number one it's so funny i just came from the apothecary because one of our staff members out today so i was there and i had to run over here for this thing and my mm-hmm. daughter lauren was in and mm-hmm. we, had, we just had that conversation what's our favorite adaptogen so- <laughs> Look, I keep, I keep naming your conversations. Yes, you're all in my head today. All <laughs> in my head. So astragalus has to be because, because of the ease in use, mm-hmm. right? Because it is so accessible. And, and so one of the ways is you can also drop astragalus root in a pot of soup because it's a root vegetable. So good. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, um, I do that. So um, Reishi is another favorite one of my adaptogens. And I have to say that Reishi kept me going throughout the lockdown. Mm. Like Reishi is not only a brilliant adaptogen in terms of um, immune system, it's a beautiful stress reliever. And it's also really great in clear thinking. So I think so many times we were getting cluttered in our head, you know, about mm-hmm. what's going to happen, especially as a business owner. I was like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, yeah. I, opened, I opened sacred the Botanica the week that we shut down. Like mm-hmm. literally our grand opening was on a Saturday and the Monday we got the, um, the, the you know, the city declared that all our business would be shut down. So oh, wow. I was sitting there like, great. Well, this was interesting time to open a business. (laughs) Again, you keep opening your businesses during recessions. I'm telling you. So I'm like, what's up with this? But uh, I didn't expect to do it 12 years later again. But um, (laughs) so, you know, I have to sit with that. But when stress, you know, what kept me going during that time was my reliance on Reishi. Because Mm. Reishi, you know, its Latin name is Ganoderma lucidum or bringer of light. Mm-hmm. And I just love it because it's great for depression mm-hmm. or it's great for like dark brooding thoughts, which we all kind of had because we were like, where are we going? And we may still have it because it's not over. Right. And we're still wondering like, what is next year going to bring, you know? So that was yeah. important for us. And I heard you speaking immunity. You talked about astragalus being a great immunity herb. Are there any others? I, thyme, honey, onion. I've been making all of these things that you're naming into like a soup or a tea throughout the last first wave. We just stayed, you know, my COVID protocol has been to be, have a great immune system. That's been my protocol. So I, I wanted to check in with you and see how, what kind of immune regimen have you been talking to people about? That's exactly it. I, you know, I, I think when the protocol hit, I did a post that said, you know, your immune system is not something that you're like, oh my God, I need my immune system tomorrow. <laughs> you know, um, your immune system is something that's like any other system. You don't need your cardiovascular system only functioning, you know, because there's something going around. It's, it's what you need to keep you alive. And so is your immune system. And if you were to look at it like that, you'd realize that like our immunity building or adaptogen or tonics act are for all the time it's not just for the moment that you're like in 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 dire need of staying healthy but it should be something that we're doing all the time and that's why i'm talking about herbs that we can use all the time i'm not talking about an immune stimulant i'm talking about immune modulation which is a total different thing to build your immune system over time to be able to ward off the illnesses that could be happening and you know um, not to live in a dark space but this is only one of the viruses as our world gets smaller that we probably have to deal with right and so um what are we doing now to always make this practice and not saying like oh i need to respond like this now and when they get a vaccine guess what i'm back to my you know, back to my regular thing. And I'm like, mm, going, you know? What are some of your favorite nourishing foods to, that are your go-tos? We talked a little bit about herbs. But what mm-hmm. about food? Mushrooms. Mm-hmm. I love cooking and using mushrooms. Mm-hmm. I love vegetables that, especially, you know, I fall back a lot on what I grew up with. So like okra and kalaloo mm-hmm. and um, 
pumpkin, like those vegetables, like including them in our diet, they're high in antioxidants, like our dark vegetables, you know, are high in antioxidants and could really keep us well because we need a high antioxidant count to also make sure that our immune system functions well because our cells, you know, our cells live longer, including your blood cells. So it's like beets, like that's new to me. We didn't have beets in the Caribbean, but like I've been like <laughs> beets and eating beets and Brussels sprouts, you know, um, to keep that high antioxidant level um, and removing toxins also from the body through these foods is, has really been helpful. Okay, before we end with our joy and pleasure lightning round, I just want to repeat some of the ones you said. You said astragalus, thyme, making a thyme honey. I thought that's such a great idea, great project to do as it gets colder with our families. Onion, garlic, holy basil, catnip, spearmint, red clover, you said, especially if like rash is presenting. I remember using red clover a lot with my first child. I had an incredible midwife who started teaching me about herbs, right? From the time I had the baby, she's like, you wanna do this the natural way, you're about to live the natural life. She was like, what is all this stuff? Get that out of here, you know, get that out of here. So she really introduced red clover and catnip and nettles and red raspberry leaf. Those were the first four herbs I worked with, particularly with my firstborn. And then chamomile, lemon balm, and we talked a little bit about reishi. Are there any other herbs you think or foods you think that people really want to lean into right now for heart medicine? Mm, I love hawthorn mm. and I love rose. Mm. Um, I love rose because it teaches, it's beautiful and it teaches us how to maintain beauty, like regardless of what's happening around us, but it's also beautiful for compassion for self. It is heart opening and sometimes it's a challenge to stay open hearted, right? When everything around us is like this. So it's beautiful for like being able to open the heart and rose has so many multiple use. I just sold some rose to someone who's like, yeah, I'm not really sure I could use it as a toner. I'm going to make it into a tea. I could take a bath. And I was like, exactly. <laughs> Herbs that we want around us that has multi use, right? So rose is kind of like that. You may just choose to have it around you or do a steam for your face. People were steaming a lot, you know? Mm. So do a steam with some rose, which is, rose is also antiviral. Mm. So there you go. And then, so um, the other one, Hawthorne, I love for heart protection. Hawthorne is a plant that has long thorns. It's part of the rosaceae family. So it's a family, it comes from the plant family that has thorns in it. And so it teaches us how to approach the heart, right? Mm. We approach the heart with intention. And then the heart needs to remain protected. And so um, also having protection around yourself is really important in the moment. So we may be open-hearted, but also remember to protect your heart as you do this work. I saw you making a Hawthorne tincture. I love, uh, if y'all don't follow Karen on Instagram, you should. You're an influencer. Like you really make bomb content. It's really great. But I was watching you make that um, tincture and you were talking about using it for grief as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like to combine Hawthorne a lot with other grief aids because any grief work involves the heart. Mm. Anytime we think about healing grief, we have to think about healing the heart and how to protect it. So you'll see me use Hawthorne in combination with ginger a lot because mm -hmm. I love ginger for release, releasing grief 
but restoring and protecting the heart. So in formulary, I use like Hawthorne and Ginger together for a lot of grief work. It's wonderful. I wanted to show you these flowers too. Right before I got on with you, my husband brought these beautiful roses. So I think Karen Rose, the rose is all around us. <laughs> the rose <laughs> is everywhere. I mean, as soon as I, press, I was about to press record, he came in with those beautiful red roses. How deserving, how beautiful is that? Uh, That's my heart all the way <laughs> We, he's been leading our family in a rose meditation. So it's really nourishing. I think I, what I'm really getting from this conversation too is oftentimes I think my initial relationship with plants had to do with what they could do for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how can they help me and how can they heal me and you know, I'm a, I'm a bit delicate, so I have a lot of things that will come up in my body, and I've just used them to take care of me. But I, I'm really moving into being in relationship, and that's what I'm really getting from your work, is how you live in relationship with these plants, and that they're not just, it's not an extractive kind of white-minded way to to look at them as medicine that we take to feel better but how can let's just say the rose how is the spirit of rose around us how is it calling our names how is it making itself known you know so that i really appreciate beautiful. that yeah that was beautiful to listen to <laughs> reciprocity in all our relationships mm. So we end all of our podcasts with something called the joy and pleasure lightning round. It's super fun. You just say the first thing that comes to mind. No judgment. Okay. You ready? <laughs> okay. So what makes you feel most alive? Work. Okay. You better be a workaholic over there and proud. <laughs> So, yeah, I can't qualify that, but it's definitely, um, yeah, this purpose. Mm -hmm. It's your purpose. Mm -hmm. I love to work, too, so much. <laughs> okay, if we really knew you, we would know that. I am insane. <laughs> <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think so. I think if you really knew me, that yes, you would definitely know that I'm quirky and I talk to myself and spirits are always around. Yeah. Awesome. What is the first thing you do when you don't feel good? Bed. Mm. What is something you were afraid of that no longer scares you? Partnership. Say it again. Partnership. Partnership. I'm seeing, I'm, I'm seeing a theme for you over there, Miss Karen Rose. Okay. You got a little boo on the way. Okay. <laughs> okay. Got a little, little, little roses coming for you. Okay. What comforts you? Food and family. Mm -hmm. What turns you on? Intention. What, how do you practice self-love? Rest. How do you rest? Isolation. Mm. Share with us a healthy habit or ritual. Mm. Isolation. <laughs> um, <laughs> time away. 
has become the most healthy thing I can do for myself is to take a solo trip for myself. Like, you know, of course, with the children, they're like, we're not coming with you. And I'm like, not this one, the next one, you know, we'll make arrangements for that. But to take some time off just by myself or maybe with a partner and like go to somewhere beautiful and really restore. Affirm yourself. I am. Mm -hmm. I am fortunate. You truly are. Can you let us know how to find you, how to support your work? If folks want to study with you as apprentice, please let us know how to do so. So we talked about my Instagram. So my Instagram handle is Empress Karen Rose. My website is sacredvibeshealing.com. And um, Sacred Vibes Botanica is my other website. Sacred Vibes Botanica NYC is our botanic website. And there you should be able to find everything else that you need. Okay. Thank you so much. We Thank appreciate you. you. This was amazing.